Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. We're in week four of a series that we're calling Asking for a Friend. In other words, implying that there are questions that sometimes we don't want to ask and have other people know that we're the ones asking them. Um, sometimes at the intersection of, of life and faith um, come questions, right? Come questions when you think about the scripture and maybe a situation that you're in. And sometimes we think that questions get in the way, that they impede faith. But actually a, a doubt or a question that's handled correctly, um, that's pursued in the right way, is actually a catalyst, a springboard for actually a greater faith or I, I would say a, a genuine faith. And this is really what Jesus is referring to in Matthew 22, verse 37, which is our theme verse uh, for this series, where Jesus says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your emotions, and who you are, right? With your soul, and with all your mind. And in our culture today, we have a lot of um, emotionalism, which is not in and of itself bad, but... Jesus says you got to love God with every single part of your being, and that includes your mind. And frankly, that will that will mean that we're going to ask some deep, hard questions about the Bible, about the Lord, and about our lives and our faith. And so, now speaking about loving the Lord with our minds, when people look around and we see all the the suffering and pain sometimes in our in our world, it's hard to justify. A good and loving God in our minds, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to justify that. Um, it's the very reason. How many times have I heard, I'm not a Christian or I left my faith because there's just so much evil and there's so much suffering, there's so much pain in the world. How can there be a God who is all good and powerful? I mean, how many times have I've heard that question? Sometimes this observation comes in, a, in a, a form of different questions, right? If God is truly um, sovereign and over creation, is he planning the evil and the suffering? I mean, if he's sovereign and he's in control and he's in control of everything, is he intentionally planning these things? Is it all part of some greater purpose that we just will never know? Some people ask that question. And if he isn't planning it, why doesn't he stop it? Think about that. If he isn't the one planning it, why isn't he the one stopping it? Today, uh, I want to answer, or at least attempt to answer, um, a very anticipated question in our series. We actually hunted this question on the first Sunday, talking about God's plans for our lives. But we're going to revisit a little bit about the theme of God's plans in this context of God's plans, macro plans for the world, in the context of evil and suffering. We're going to put it under this big, broad umbrella of this question, does everything happen for a reason? Does everything happen for a reason? Is the pain and the suffering and the evil that exists in the world, is God just using that to achieve some greater purpose? Is he planning it? Is it all part of some purpose that he has reasoned together? And if it isn't, if it isn't intentional, if it isn't on purpose, then how do we make sense of it? It's a big question for today. We could take a, a deep breath. As we get into this topic, and I really want to offer a disclaimer, because 
um, really as a preface, because today's a little bit more challenging of a sermon than usual. I mean, usually we're going to hit some tough topics. This one's an emotionally difficult topic. Um, um, if I'm honest, today was a, a hard message for me to prep for. Um, it's, it's, it's so difficult to bring the, the, the magnitude of this question to 30 minutes. So we're not going to be able to answer everything about it, right? of course. So a little bit of a grace with me there. But the, the reason why this topic is so difficult is because sometimes when we, we come to such a, an emotionally heavy topic with the scriptures and logic and reason and the truth, it can sometimes seem a little emotionally insensitive. Right? Here are the scriptures and here's how to deal with your pain and your suffering and your tragedies. And your, it, it, it almost sounds a little disattached to reality. I don't want you to get that from today. So I want you to know we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into the scriptures. That's a we're gonna love the Lord with our minds. We're gonna see what the scriptures have to say about the existence of evil and suffering and pain in our world. But I want you to know we're gonna get closer to the latter half of our sermon. We're gonna we're gonna invest quite some time in dealing with this emotional, dealing with this uh, pastorally. So um, here's what I'm aiming at in the next thirty minutes or so. I'm hoping to delicately balance right this treatment of. We're going to look at the truth, but it's a hard topic, of course. Um, we're not going to answer every question, but what I am going to try to do is just give you a glimpse. I just want to give you a glimpse to who God really is and how he feels about pain and suffering in our world and what he's doing about it. So that's my goal for the next 30 minutes. And my prayer is that you would just be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted to what the Lord says to me as an imperfect vessel presenting this and grace to yourself. I mean, we've all gone through some tragedies, haven't we? And we've all dealt with this in a different way. Today's not about guilt. Today's about grace. Um, And so I hope that it helps you take a step forward. Um, Let's dive into our text for today. It's Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a familiar text, actually. It's going to help us launch into into the subject for today. So would you go with me to Matthew 6? We're going to read the Lord's Prayer, Matthew Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It's going to be on the screen following your Bible or on the COH app, either of those three. And join me in reading. So Jesus is praying on a a mountaintop or on a hill, really. And uh, there's disciples all around. He's teaching them. In his very famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and here's a, a portion of it when he's teaching them how to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for, um, Lord, the grace that we find in your words Um, in teaching us how to pray and teaching us how to draw closer to you. Um, Lord, we just, we entrust this time to you. Um, It's a difficult topic, but Lord, um, you are greater than any of the pain and the suffering that we've experienced and that this world is experiencing. And we just, um, we ask that you would give us the right perspective, that you would show us who you really are through your words um, so that we might go out into the world um, with a better understanding of how we can live for you in light of these circumstances. Lord, would you fill our hearts? Lord, and if there's somebody here 
who's maybe questioning you a little bit, would you speak to them? Would you whisper to them and would you just encourage them to take one step closer to you today? We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this, this text, I mean, even as I'm reading it, there's some of you that are reciting it by memory. It's a common text. Probably thousands of people um, recite this on a daily basis. Um, and even more so have known it or have recited it at least once in their life. But it's, it's with really common texts, often, obviously, sometimes, that we miss the, the subtle implications in the words of Jesus. We just read over them. We have it memorized. We recite it. And sometimes we miss the subtle nuances of what Jesus is trying to get at in some of the words that he is saying. It's a powerful prayer. Jesus begins by saying, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The kingdom of God, or sometimes you'll read the Bible and it says the kingdom of heaven. Scholars think Jesus is referring to the same exact thing there. It's talking about God's rule, his reign, his activity and work in this world. We belong to the kingdom of God. And when you're doing ministry, you're, you're sharing the gospel, you're living for Jesus, you are expanding God's kingdom. Sometimes you'll hear that language being used. God's will, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's will is just what God wants, what he desires, what he would hope for in this world. What's interesting here, and I, and I think a lot of times we miss this, is that I want us to notice that Jesus, he doesn't, he's not saying, Lord, thank you that your will is, is completely manifested on this earth. He doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. It's already being done in heaven, but he's saying on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that. Think about that language for a moment. And actually, in the Greek, it's actually reversed. It says first heaven and then earth, interestingly enough. But think about what he's implying there. This would mean, right, that Jesus is praying for something to occur that hasn't yet happened. He's saying, let it come. He's saying, let your will be done. It's already in heaven, but on earth, let it happen. So this would imply that there are aspects of creation Think about this. Aspects of creation in our world today that are not yet representative of God's ultimate and final will for our world. Things that he has not desired, nor has he willed, if we can use that word, that don't pertain to his kingdom. There's that word again. However, many of us, how many of us we've been taught that everything that happens, right, it's all part of God's plan. We say that a lot, don't we? It's all part of God's plan. And, and here's what happens. Because when we say it's all part of God's plans and we don't give any nuance to that, some, the implication is all is all, which would mean even the evil and the suffering and the pain, it's all part of God's will. It's all part of his plan. Oftentimes, we find ourselves trying to reconcile, right, our view of God with what's going on. And so we say things like, everything happens for a reason. Don't worry, somebody passes away. Everything happens for a reason. The Lord wanted another angel sometimes. You know, we say these things. Sometimes we'll say, this is all part of God's plan somehow. God knows what he's doing. And let me be frank with you. If you think I'm pointing the finger, I'm not. I have said these things. 
I have said them. I have thought them. I think I've said them in public. Um, If I'm very honest with you this morning, because that's what I always want to do. I want to manifest openness because I want you to be open-hearted as well. I think we've all heard and said things like this on occasion. When a family member dies or something, some unnecessary casualty or some pain, we try our hardest to maintain. Really, we do it with good intentions. We're trying our hardest, really, to maintain a high, elevated view of God. That God's in control and that he's sovereign and he knows what he's doing. So we say it with really good intention. So I want to offer some grace there to all of us, including myself. Um, a lot of these comments, they imply what a lot of Christians actually believe, what's called the blueprint view, the blueprint view of creation. It reminds me of the game of chess, actually. If you follow the game of chess, um, you would maybe know the, a name Bobby Fisher. I'll put him on the screen there. Uh, Bobby Fischer, um, he was like a, a, a chess prodigy at the age of 14, youngest to ever achieve the title Grand Master. I mean, incredible young man. He would often say something like this. They would ask him, Bobby, what do you do? What's your strategy for winning in this game of chess? And he would say, you have to sack, sack, sack. You know, sack, sack, what, what does that mean? Sack is shorthand for sacrifice, sacrificing your pieces. So often he would say, you have to sacrifice your pieces intentionally in order to win. In other words, he would imagine the game board and he, the other opponent would think that, oh, I got his piece, but actually it was part of the plan all along to then checkmate. You see what I'm saying? It was almost a trap sacrificing his pieces intentionally was part of his strategy for winning the game. And I want you to hold that analogy in your brain because sometimes in a very similar way in this blueprint view, a lot of people see that suffering is part of God's intentional blueprint for winning the game at the end, for achieving his will. And the suffering along the way is part of the plan. Some people believe that. Good Christians believe that. And so in this view, every single thing that happens is everything that happens in creation in the world, whether it's the good things you got to raise in your job, your family, your spouse, your talents, your abilities, your friendships, it's all part of God's plans, all the good things. But so are all the bad things. So is the death of your loved one. So was the Holocaust. So is... Um, Child abuse in our world. So is all this, anything that you could think of, chronic pain, anything that you could think of, God's got it all under his blueprint. And we must accept it that it's all a blessing in disguise. A blessing in disguise. Now, I want to ask you, is it possible to fully trust a God in that view? And I would say there's lots of good Christians, and I really want to offer a lot of grace here. I don't want you to, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not critiquing this view. I'm presenting this view. There's a very big difference between the two. There are some very good Christians that believe this. As a matter of fact, fr- uh, friends of mine who love the Lord, and I, I believe wholeheartedly we are going to see them in heaven one day they hold on to this view so i'm not condemning i'm not judging i'm just presenting and i hope you guys can understand that but today you're in community of hope and so i want to present to you what we believe because a lot of people if we're honest they lose their faith over this they lose their faith 
not knowing how to reconcile the fact that God exists. He's all loving. He's all powerful. But look what's going on. People lose their faith over this. And we really shouldn't because the Lord is present. The Lord is here and he wants you to know his heart. And that's what I want to present to you guys today. Here's what, honestly, we here at Community of Hope think. So starting with the original question, does everything happen for a reason? We're going to answer that question, no. We're going to answer that question, no. Because we don't believe that God has intentionally planned everything, literally including the the pain and the suffering, for a reason. I'm going to get back to that point. But that's what we believe. It's not for some divine reason that God has intentionally planned in your life or in the life of, of your family. People often call this view, which is where we would stand, it's called the warfare view. And here's where I'm going to get to this. Because Paul refers to something similar of a, of a warfare between God and creation in Ephesians 6. And I want to read it to you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. He says this, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's somebody else planning things in this world, folks. There's other other beings, as Paul says, the devil here in this case, that is making things happen that is not God's will. That you may stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. I mean, that sounds, I mean, that, that sounds overwhelming. And I think it's easy to live your life without having that in mind. We're such a scientific uh, materialistic culture. It's hard to live with that on your mind and in our context. But Paul is saying there's a whole, in a sense, a warfare going on. A whole host of beings, whether it be humans, authorities, powers, principalities, or spiritual beings that are causing things to happen that are actually not God's will. We see this being waged to and fro. It's the reality of evil at work in our world that Paul is getting to. And so, but before we go there, how did that happen? How did that come to be? How did this, how did this get to where it was? Well, you have to understand that God created this world good. He created it completely perfect and good. Look at Genesis 1.31, where um, The writer, the author of Genesis says this, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was extremely good. There was no war going on. There were no principalities. There was no sin. There was none of it. God did not create evil. God did not design evil. God did not plan it. God created a good world. He intended a good world. He willed a good world. One where you and I as humans would have a perfect and loving relationship with our heavenly father. He did not create the evil and the suffering that we see in our world today. And so you may be wondering what happened? What happened that Paul writes these words in Ephesians and now we have this thing going on? Well, I'll give you two words for that. Free will. Free will. In the same Genesis account, here's what the writer says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. 
And here's what that means. In some very real respects, we are representatives of God here on earth. He said, go be, uh, take dominion over, right? Rule over the earth, make decisions. God has free will. And we were created in his image with rationality, with the ability to make decisions. Some would call that agency. We are free agents. We are persons with minds. We make decisions. We have free will. And we don't have time to read the whole account, but you could read Genesis 3. You could jot it down. Humans, through Adam, we chose through our own free will to sin. And if you just want to point the finger at Adam, each and every one of us here have, guess what? We have. We've sinned. We have fallen short of God's glory. And we chose it. And at that moment, that's when creation ceased to be perfect. That's when literally the war started. And that's when God's will was not the only will that was being manifested on earth. You might ask, Jose, why did God allow this to happen? A lot of people ask that. Why did God allow the sin to enter the world? Why, why did God allow all of it? And let me tell you a little story. I had two friends. One was a boy, one was a girl. They were uh, young adults in their 20s, and both of the families knew each other. And the, the families liked each other, and they said, you know what, it'd be great if we could be family one day. <laughs> and so they said, let's try to create a spontaneous state with your son, our daughter, and we're going to bring them together, we're going to leave them alone, and we're going to see if magic happens, okay? And so they tried just that, and the the, this, this young guy, this young girl, they find themselves alone, you know, at the mall, and they look at each other. They weren't dumb. And they said, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to hook us up or something. They're trying to get us together. I don't know what's going on with our parents. But you know what? They said, let's just play along. <laughs> they gave us their money. We might as well buy. We might as well go to the theater. We might as well grab lunch. We might as well do whatever we want. You know what? Let's just keep the train going. You know, this actually might work. So <laughs> anyways, the, the, the lesson there, if you can catch it, no matter how hard you try, you can't force love. You got to choose it for yourself. I want you to hold on to that because why did God allow free will? Because you can't choose love. If God would have made us robots to just do exactly what he wanted, guess what? There wouldn't be real love we wouldn't be able to choose to love God or not. And God created a world in which you and I have the ability to choose him or not to choose him. He gave us the ability to do that because he wanted us to choose to love him. And so now, as I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, right, you have these two views. We stand with the warfare view. There's other wills. There's um, the, the root of all pain and suffering and evil is caused by the sin in our world. It's not caused by God. All of that, you could sit here, you could look at me, and you could nod your head, and you could say, yeah, that, that makes sense, Jose. Thanks for clearing that up in my head. My heart still hurts like crazy. My heart still hurts, and I, my brain understands, but my heart is far my heart is hard, and my heart is cold. And so I want to I delicately balance these things because the application of this is very difficult. This is not, here's your three-step process for dealing with pain and suffering in the world. Go do it. That's not how this works, guys. It's not how this works. There's the reality that God didn't plan it, and you can find comfort in that. But here's what I think the scriptures want us to take home today. Here's what I would want you to take home today. In light of 
what we see in Scripture. I would want you to know that God wants you to choose. The same way that he's given you free will. That God wants you to choose to trust his power to redeem your pain. I want, I, that's what I want you to leave today with. I want you to know that God wants you to choose it. To choose him in the midst of your pain. Notice Paul's words in Romans 8.28. And by the way, you'll notice that we're using more texts in this series because in these big questions, it would be um, unfaithful to actually the whole canon of Scripture to just read one big passage. And we would, it would just inevitably be an answer out of context. So that's why we're, we're really going through Scripture to answer these questions. But Paul says in Romans 8.28, he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love them, love those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to repeat that verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, such a misunderstood passage. A lot of times people read this and they think, well, I'm a Christian now. And Paul promises that once I place my faith in Jesus, my life is going to be perfect. everything's going to work out for my good. You see how that kind of, you can kind of say it that way? It sounds nice, but it's not what Paul's trying to get at. Sometimes um, people would also think that they would just claim this out of nowhere. And, And I want you to notice that there's a disclaimer. There's a condition here. He says, God works all things for the good of those who what? Who love him. Those who choose to love him. Here's what Paul wants us to live out. No matter what situation life presents you, and he had it hard. Actually, um, eventually, Paul would get beheaded. Uh, we think in the late 60s um, by the Emperor Nero. Paul is speaking from firsthand experience. He's speaking from firsthand experience of seeing brothers and sisters in the faith be persecuted, or be persecuted to death. And here's what he's saying. No matter what situation life presents, when we choose to love God no matter the circumstance, you got to choose it. God is more than able to redeem all of our pain and our suffering. And here's what he does. He brings good out of bad. And there's a subtle nuance here because God didn't plan the evil. I, I, want you, I really want you to know that. God didn't plan your evil. He didn't plan your suffering. He didn't plan the chaos that's going on in the world. But guess what he can do? He is so powerful. He is so intelligent, Paul says, that when you choose to, he is more than able to bring good out of the evil that's in our world. Not because he planned it, but because he is so powerful. You see what I'm trying to get at? Some people think that that, your view limits God's sovereignty. Your view limits God's control. No, actually, it thinks more of God because he didn't have to directly plan it in order to use it and to bring purpose to it. He didn't plan it. He can change it. He doesn't, God doesn't present us with tragedies. He wants you to present him your tragedies. I want you to take that home. It reminds me of a book by, and I'm going to finish with this, reminds me of a book by a woman named Jessica Kelling called Lord Willing, where she really grapples with the death of her little boy. Um, in, Jessica describes in this book, and I'm, and I'm going to bring this example, it's a hard one, so I just want to, I want to warn you about that. It's a hard example, but it, it, 
it brings this to life. And I need you to know that this is real. and This, this isn't just words on a page. Um, Jessica describes how she struggled to accept God's love as a young adult. And she found the Lord really in, in a new relationship with the Lord when she had her son. And she understood God's love for her. Happens to a lot of us as parents. Happened even to me. Understanding God's love for me even greater with um, the birth of my little boy. But unfortunately... Her son was diagnosed with cancer, and he died at the tender age of four years old. I mean, imagine that. The, the horror, and it was, a, I mean, and cancer oftentimes is a slow, to slow down. I can't imagine the pain that she went through. Is there still hope, she asked. Is there still a good God to believe in, despite all of this? You know, but when Jessica realized, when she studied scripture, and you could read her book, I totally recommend that you read her book. When she, when she reads scripture and she comes to realize that God was not the author of her evil, of the pain and the suffering that she went through, but God actually wanted to walk alongside her, it transformed her faith. And she drew nearer to the Lord than ever before. She didn't deny the reality of her pain. This is not denial. This is not you to just go happy-go-lucky and walk out of here skipping even though there's real pain and there's real anxiety and suffering in the world and in your life. But it's grasping the reality of who God is. Do you understand? It's not denying the pain. It's acknowledging who God is and His power and His presence. The God who actually suffered on our behalf, who understands that life is not fair because it was not fair to Him. He died a death that he didn't deserve for you and me, for people who did not deserve it in the first place. He understands that life is not fair. He knows what it's life like to feel pain and suffers alongside us. That's the God that we serve. That is the Jesus that came and died on the cross for you and me. And so if you feel like you don't have a satisfactory answer yet after 30 minutes, (laughs) it's because there isn't one. There isn't one. We can only understand so much in the the finitude of of our minds, of our humanity. We can only understand so much. But it's through God's word that we find a glimpse of who he really is and what he can do in and through the pain and the suffering that you're going through. Don't underestimate the power of God. Don't underestimate his power to redeem, to uphold, and to walk with you. So if you find yourself there today, um, I want you to know as the band plays, the altar's open. Um, this is a hard topic. It was a hard one. Um, like I said, it was, it was even difficult for me to bring it today. Um, the altar is open. You can manifest openness. You could, you could weep to the Lord if you need to. Um, just come. If you need to pray, maybe in your life you're not experiencing pain and suffering to that degree, but maybe you know people that are. Would you come and pray for them that they would see God's power to redeem it, to bring good out of it, even in the worst of circumstances? Let's pray. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Um, Lord, what a emotionally heavy topic, but Lord, we are just so grateful that you, um, Lord, you are holding our hand at every word, at every step. 
Lord, and we ask that you would, um, you would do what you promised. That when we choose to love you and you call us, that you would work all things for our good. That you would transform, Lord, those things that the enemy intended for evil, that you would make them for your good. Lord, the enemy doesn't win in the end. You win in the end. And that is our hope. But Lord, even harder than that, would you help us to open our hearts? Lord, because even sometimes getting to the point where we want to trust you is the impossible step. So for those of us that feel like we can't get there, Lord, would you crack open our heart? Would you show us that you're here, that you care, and that you want to walk alongside us? We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. I hope that would be your prayer no matter what you're going through today, that you would just want him and that you would not underestimate his power to redeem your pain. Hey, if you still need prayer, if you'd like somebody to talk to, we have our prayer team standing by my back left, your back right corner. If if anything else, I would love to leave you guys with a blessing. So would you take a posture of prayer, close your eyes and just receive Paul's words to the church at Rome where he said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his holy spirit church would you go with god we'll see you next week god bless you